What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs. This is your hobby content alternative. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. I collect sports cards and have a podcast about collecting sports cards. We are running the parallel series down the tracks. We're going, going, and going some more. And today we are talking about one of the hobby's most prestigious parallels. It is one of one. It is the Super Fractor. Excited to be talking about this. It was one that I knew we were going to do, but just trying to figure out a good time to do it. I've got a Super Fractor aficionado friend and former guest, Drake, at Drake's PC, on the program to talk about Super Fractors. This is a fun conversation that veered off in a lot of different uh, paths and ways, and I think this is a good and important conversation for this series. I'm a big fan of Super Fractors. I think these cards are uh, some of the hobby's best. So what do you think? Hopefully you have seen some of the Super Fractors that will be posted on Instagram at Stacking Slabs. Check my stories. I love doing this series. Get focused collector content for you. None of that other stuff. Just focusing in around the cards. That's what we're doing. Tell a damn friend about this show. All right, let's kick into the conversation. All right, so we are talking about a parallel that I know is near and dear to the hobby. And we did not lead this series off with the parallel, but we all knew this was going to come. So today we are talking super fractors. Um, and I've got my man Drake at Drake's PC on. I know he is a fan of super fractors, as probably most people are uh, listening to this show and has quite a few of his own. But without further ado, Drake, welcome back. How are you? Hey, Brett. I'm fantastic. It's a cold morning here in Arkansas, but uh, we're getting to that time of year. But I'm excited to be on again, and I'm excited to talk Super Fractors. Um, so am I. And when I was preparing for this show, it was almost like I don't even know where to start. And I don't know if you feel this way, but it, it feels like, which I will do this uh, the day before this goes live, but it, it feels like whenever the bat signal gets put out on, hey, everybody, let's see your super fractors, there is a ton of conviction and passion around the super fractor from the hobby that people want to show their cards, talk about their cards. Um, does it feel to you like this parallel um, in kind of the modern or ultra modern context? feels like maybe a notch or two or it's held in regard maybe a notch or two above anything else in this era like how how do you how do you describe it yeah sure because i mean when you think about a super fractor it's a one of one um you know in the, in the other parallels that you've had on which are have all been incredible right but you get into credentials and rubies and you know the pmgs and and things of those nature in those cases there's 30s to 50 and and that sort of thing, right? But when you get into a true one of one, you have something that is a unique item that only one person can own. Um, you know, not thirty people can have it, or not fifty people can have it. And so I think once you once you get to that, that really um, that hits the the feels, so to speak, when 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 it comes to collecting. So I was doing some research because um, I literally had no idea, and that's kind of the fun part about doing these um, is I do some research and then have a conversation. Hopefully, we learn something at the end of it. But it to me, and maybe you can correct me if I'm I'm wrong or you know anything different. It appears that the uh, birth of the superfractor was in 2005, and its first appearance was in Bowman Chrome Baseball. And there was a site, and I should have referenced it that I got some of this information from. But it, the you could pull one out of Bowman Chrome Baseball, but it was one in three thousand one hundred and one in seventeen packs, which is obviously a, a feat. Um, but I guess when we're thinking about that, thinking about two thousand five up until now, we're still talking about super fractors. That's a a great deal of time crossed several different sports right it didn't just stay in baseball it's it's everywhere this rarity scarcity uh origin since 05 until now like what do you think maybe kind of that sort of sustainability with the super fractors do you think that that period of time has added to just like the prestige and history of the card yes yes for sure i mean it's um it, it it's one of those things when you think about super fractors you kind of think like wow that's a card that's been around for a long time and when you look at it, what, it's 2023 now, it came out in 2005. That was 18 years ago. 
But then you dissect that a little bit further. And like the last year of Topps football was 2015. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you've had other years of baseball since then, right? But, you know, just keeping it spe- specific to Topps football, right? That's really only like 10 years of Topps superfractors, you know, or Bowman Chrome superfractors or whatever that you could have had in like really in the football realm. And so, you know, I think it's something that's enhanced the hobby across these last 18 years, certain years, different segments and things like that. But it it, it certainly creates a chase and it certainly um, it, it it's a card that, you know, when you see it, you, like, you know, it's a special card and, you know, it's one of those things that you can watch breaks and, you know, in more recent times, it's been with baseball and, you know, you see the guy that's flipping through the cards and you can kind of see that super factor. And it's just one of those things where as soon as you see it, you know exactly what it is. There's no question around like, is this gold? Is this orange? Is this a, you know, mosaic, no huddle, disco, whatever, you know, it's a, it's a true super factor. And I think that's, that's a, a, a real significant point in time of the hobby that really is not as old as it sometimes seems. So yeah, you said something interesting there that I want to hit on. And just talking about one and one one of one specifically, I feel like in just part of the conversations when I see content, listen to conversations, part of the reason why I'm doing this series is a lot of the times when people are talking about the best parallels in the hobby, I feel like, and this is, we can talk about, like there's been a lot of this regarding Michael Jordan's best cards, Michael Jordan's best parallels. It seems like in a lot of these cases, the one of ones get uh, omitted. And so I think maybe super fractors when we're talking about the hobby's best cards, because there's only one copy of those cards, don't necessarily enter the conversation at times. So I'm I'm curious on your end, you mentioned all of these. There, we're uh, in a flood of one of one of ones now. I just think of like something you and I collect in WWE products and like the select product. And there's just like one of ones on top of one of ones. So. I don't know, like, what do you have to say about just like, do you think the reason why maybe we don't talk about Superfractor sometimes in terms of the hobby's best cards is that we are now in an era where there are one of ones on top of one of ones? Or do you think maybe it's something different? Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably part of it is is that there are so many one of ones and so many people stay focused on, you know, the most recent term. So things like what is what has Panini done for us lately or what's Tops done for us lately? But you know, but even tops has gotten watered down because there's so many different parallels and, you know, it's like, oh, well, there's a super fractor and there's a taco fractor and there's a frozen fractor. And there's just so many fractors now um, that it kind of dumbs down a little bit, uh, the whole like super, super aspect of it. Right. But the one thing that I'll say, and maybe I'm a little bit different in this aspect is a lot of the times what's coined the hobbies like best cards are cards that multiple pe- multiple people own. Right. Mm. And so, they kind of see it as like, oh, well, it's this like unique area where we're all, you know, essential credentials collectors. And so we have that in common or we're all, we're all PMGs or Rubies or something like that. And so that's the commonality because more than one people can own the card. And so they can have this kind of community to rally around. And, you know, it's like these are the 90s best cards and like here's what we have. But when it comes to like a super fractor, you know, it's you and you. Right. And so other people may have different parallels, but other than just saying like, hey, you know, we're in a club, it's the 2021 Tops Transcendent WWE, and we each have a super fractor, right, or multiple super fractors from that set, then that kind of creates a community in and of itself. But whenever, you know, it gets into being more of like a, a player collection sport where I think like wrestling has player collectors but there's a lot more people who collect wrestling cards than just specific, like one or two players. I think you and I are in the same boat. When we came back to wrestling cards, we just did the shotgun approach. And literally we, we loved everything wrestling and wanted to buy every wrestling card that we saw, you know, if it was a gold refractor, it wasn't safe from you and me. And so, but we've kind of narrowed that down, but we still love wrestling. And so whenever I get into say like Peyton Manning or Drew Brees or somebody like that, if I go, you know, get a, a 2014 finest Drew Brees super fractor, right? There's really nobody else that I, you know, like Drew Brees fans like that or whatever, but there's not really a community built around Drew Brees finest super fractors just because you never see them. And so I think that that kind of plays into, you know, different segments of the hobby have different, different folks that, you know, view the cards a little bit differently. But I think, you know, in, in some cases, you'll see it now with the Panini stuff, like, some people would rather have a Panini Prism Gold 
that's out of 10 because they can see other people that have that same card. You know, if they're looking to sell it at some time, they have a comp to, to judge off of as far as what the value is or things like that. But sometimes when you get into one-on-one, it's so specific and it kind of sets you apart too much um, from a collector standpoint that some people avoid all my thing kind of going after them because they are so unique and so special and it's really a collector thing. But that's why the card speaks to me so much because when I get these cards, I'm buying them to collect them. I'm not buying them thinking like, oh, you know, I think I need a comp someday that, you know, that I can compare it to. So that way when I want to sell it, I know exactly what it's worth and I really get my, you know, and, and, and I really get the true value for the card. I'm going to ask you a question that it probably will be, Whenever you, I'm going to set the stage. Whenever you ask this type of question, it's always no matter what the answer is, that's probably controversial in some level. But in listening to you describe the superfractor and comparing it with maybe a gold prism out of 10 for the reasons of why someone might would rather have the gold prism out of 10, do you think that, um, and for all the reasons that you just stated, do you feel like superfractors at some level are? underrated oh yeah yeah yes absolutely and i I certainly think it's from a recency bias right you know you look at it it's like everybody now is all about the black finite one of ones and things like that you see those posted almost daily on social media somebody's pulling some black one of one or black finite or something like that but i would 100 percent agree that they are completely underrated right because you think about you know and we'll just we'll, we'll just keep this with 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 wrestling cards let's say you know, if the WWE Prism 101 goes up, it goes for just massive money. I mean, we saw what happened with The Rock. We saw John Cena, you know, folks like that. If you see a WWE Superfractor go up, it goes for a fraction of the price, right? And in my opinion, um, at least in the WWE cards, I think their Topps Chrome and in some cases the finest Superfractors look better than the Prism Black 101s. Now, if we had uh, black finite prism one ones in wrestling product that that may give the Chrome Superfractor a run for its money. But just really speaking to, to wrestling cards, I think it's more the recency bias, and you know, folks can't look back and see that Topps Chrome or Topps Finest Superfractor um, and really value it the same way that they do the Panini one of ones. But but I also think it speaks to again going back to recency bias. People are looking at it and they're trying to figure out. What's the right value that I can either buy it or sell it for? And there's a heck of a lot more sales of these Panini one of ones than there are Tops, Chrome, Bowman Chrome, Tops Fine Superfractors. And so I think that's why you see a lot more of those in circulation and a lot more people talking about that, just because there's more of a current market around that type of stuff. I want to get into the look and the feel and the appearance. But before I do that, I think one thing that I'm thinking about as we're talking about this is just the fact that. I agree. I think superfractors. When you look at the price point that some of these uh, cards are going for, and just like throw out veteran um, potential Hall of Fame or Hall of Fame type quarterback who's in 2000. Let's just say like Eli Manning, who's in 2010 Topps Chrome Superfractor. I bet that card, uh, it that card being sold likely will go for way less than probably you know a majority of his rookie cards and when i think about like uh something like that and think about what a superfractor means to me its appearance it being one of one to me that seems kind of wild that we would rather pay more for a card that has maybe 50 or 25 copies and but that's just me so i view superfractors very much in the from the perspective of kind of like from a player collector standpoint like kind of like a top of the mountain when you're able to acquire some of these cards but i think maybe not all participants in the hobby which is fine feel the same way so i guess i say all that to ask you like does that even though these things are impossible to find does that uh present some sort of opportunity that when these cards become available of your player that you collect and it's of a price point that is seems reasonable we should probably pursue those because it it might be a good value long-term. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's one of those things where I think just going back to the point we made previously, I mean, for me, it's it. And and sometimes you and I have these conversations as somebody will present a super fracture to me and I look at it and I'm like, gosh, you know, that's a little bit more than I'd want to pay or something like that. But then I ask myself the question, I'm like, 
well, where's the other one? Well, there's not another one, <laughs> right? So you, you kind of have to play in your head, like, does this make sense for me? You know, this is a card I'm going to buy. I'm not looking to move it in the next six months like everybody wants to do. You know, this is a car that I'm buying to hold for, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years, you know, something like that. So when you look at it that way and you take that long-term lens and say, hey, this is my only, could be my only opportunity at this card, then you just jump after it, right? Then when you add that card and when it comes in the mail, you get the mail day and that sort of thing. I mean, there's there's no other feeling like it as it relates to the super fractor. But again, I think it it also goes into where you see like, you know, just to your point where rookie cards or cards out of 10 or out of 50 may sell for more. I think it's just people or people generally in the hobby are more comfortable paying prices where they feel like they know more of an accurate value of the card because there's other sales or things like that. And so people just gravitate more to that. And that's even some of the hobbies, you know, quote, like best cards, you know, like why is the Mickey Mantle 52 tops transacted so frequently? Well, because people know exactly what it's worth, right? Um, you know, if there's only one copy of that card, right, people are probably going to be throwing their hands in the air going, I don't really know, and this, that, and the other, and then it's just going to stay in somebody's collection, or it's going to, you know, get thrown out into the marketplace, and then folks won't want to pay what the ask is because there's only one, and they can't judge the value. And so I think there's there's too much of that that goes on, goes on in the hobby, really, in my opinion, is on those transactable cards. And, you know, we, we see cards as like rare and scarce as saying like, oh, well, this card's out of, you know, 23 or this card's out of 10 or out of 15 and it's super rare and things like that. But then you go look at a site, you know, a site like a card ladder or whatever, and there's just been tons of transactions around that card. And so it's not rare, but, or, or it's not super scarce, but it's, uh, yeah, it, it, it's just, a, it's an interesting thing to think about. And I know we've kind of stayed on this, this subject probably for too long, but it's just super fractors to me really just hit that collector spot. But I think the hobby in general, I don't want to say shuns them or avoids them a little bit because there's just so much of a lack of awareness around what true value is of a super fractor. So uh, we will move on here, but this presents the question. So if you see in a story, a Drew Brees super fractor, from let's just say 2009 tops finest you've never seen this card before obviously you're a breeze collector you want it um how, how do you there's no sales data right there's not how do you go about and and it's for sale the the person has it for sale how do you even go about the process of trying to get the card at a level that since the seller is in control for it being a one of one copy, how do you even go about that process of making sure you're not only getting the card, but maybe you're not spending more than you should on it at that moment? Well, first of all, when I see cards like that, I'm, I'm like a rabbit in heat. So I tend to go a little crazy and sometimes we'll throw up kind of all just to the seller and just be like, look, you know, what's it going to take? I've got to have yeah. this card. You know, yeah. I truly collect your breeze. I, I want this card and all that. The second thing is, is, you know, as a seller, when they're posting it, are they, you know, is, is there a price listed or, or they say, you know, the, the hobby pet peeve taking offers, DM with offers. I think we were talking about this the other day um, because that really drives you nuts. But but really, in terms of that, you know, you can go back and, and, you know, and again, use a site, a site like a card ladder to give those guys a plug again. And you can look at, you know, other data for other players or maybe there were other sets of super fractors or things like that. But typically what I do is you can kind of go in and look and see like, okay, if it's tops products, you can look at what 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 did a gold refractor sell for? And typically there's always some kind of a multiple or something like that that you can apply to a super refractor. And so you try to do that. And I'll do that with, you know, if it's like a gold prism to then a black prism, right? A lot of in a, in a lot of cases, a black prism sells for four to five times the price of gold prism. And so with, with super fractors, you can kind of apply that same that same logic per se. And then you can really go in and that's what helps you kind of formulate a act, you know, an estimated price, give it a good guess as kind of far as like what that is. But really at the end of the day, you know, you're you're almost at the mercy of that seller. And you know, you you say, hey, here's here's the data behind it. And this is something I do all the time. And I'm a real data guy, um, a real data-driven guy, and that's just the way I think. But I can go in there and send someone a DM with a long diatribe of 
here's where I think the value is, and here's the data I have that supports it, and da 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 da. So here's the value. Here's the value that I came up with, and the seller can say, "Nope, I don't agree with that. I want X amount, <laughs> right?" And then you've provided all this data and this, that, and the other, and all that. But it, then at the end of the day, you just have to ask yourself, like, is the amount that that person is asking is that something that I'm willing to pay to acquire this card? And again, I'm someone who has a long time horizon when I purchase cards. And so I have to look at it and say, okay, you know, I came up today with a value of $1,500. This guy wants $2,000. Um, you know, in 25 years, if I go to sell that card, am I going to miss that $500 or whatever? They have that, the opportunity to own this card. And in, in 11 times out of 10, I, I decide that paying a little bit extra for the card right now is worth it. Since we're talking about value, I'll just throw this one out at you too. But one thing that a uh, co- topic that comes up a lot is, you know, they're there. I think I posted about this a long time ago and the reaction I got was crazy. But I am someone, if I buy a Super Fractor Raw, it is going to stay in my possession for like maybe a day. And then the next day, I'm going to pay whatever I have to to PSA to go sub it to get it in a holder. And there's a lot of different elements to that, right? It's um, I, 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 I want the consistency in, with my collection. I do perceive that there is more value if it is in a holder over the long period of time. How do you like grading in superfractors? Some people say, oh, you should never grade your superfractors. It doesn't make any sense. But what happens if you get a 10? Does that provide more value? Like talk a little bit about the grading component with superfractors. Yeah. So I mean, I think that I'm kind of a mixed bag on both, you know, as far as as far as what it is. Um, you know, so like for example, my rock uh 2021 tops from five timers club, the superfractor. That was one I kept raw for a long, long time. And then I finally came around, I was like, well, you know, this card would kind of look look nice in a slab versus just a one touch, you know, and I wasn't really wanting to increase the value really or anything like that. That's not why, that's not why, you know, but for PC cards, that's not why I grade them, right? And so I sent it off to PSA and then it came back at 10. And like, that was just some icing on the cake. And it's just, when you look at it, it's just a, it's just a cool looking card to see like, you know, not only is this card a one of one, but it's a perfect one of one. And so it just... It adds a little bit of something extra to it, right? But you know, when I look at my Vince McMahon Tops Transcendent Superfractor Auto, right? That's card that came sealed um, here. And actually, I've got it sitting right here, but I know everybody's seen it before. And, you Proud Vince. Oh yeah, yeah, no, exactly. But you know, his auto—we can't really see it too, too great here. But it's um, you know, his auto leaves a lot to be desired. So I know the mm. auto is not going to ten. Um, you know, which would be okay. But there's something about that card because it comes sealed yes. you know, with the top seal. It just makes it pure to me. And like that to me, I just I love that aspect of certain cards, even as a 101 that just keeps it pure. And it's like sometimes, you know, especially with the Panini stuff too, like there's some 101s I have of Manning and things like that. You know, it's 2014 Flawless Patch Auto. That one's still in the seal. And I thought sometimes about, you know, would I rather that be in a slab just to greater protected and stuff like that? And I'm just like, for me, I, I just like the purity of that card of like, this is the way the card was made. It came out, it, it was inserted, it was inserted into this case. The seal was placed on top of it and like, you know, no one's ever going to touch it. And that, that to me is just, is really kind of neat. So so my answer is it depends. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we could probably do a whole other episode on to break the seal or to not, but I I side with you if it's in the seal, I typically I'm not interested in breaking it because of the reasons you stated. Um we've gone this long and uh we haven't talked about the appearance of the superfractor. So let's do that. Um uh it is a one of one card and I would say um it is a one of one design, right? It is a design that I think has inspired more design similar, which we'll talk about. But when you look at these cards and you look at the design, look and feel like, how does it make you feel? What are the elements of those cards that you like? Maybe talk talk about that. Yes, yeah, so I'll, I'll grab another one and just kind of show. I know, you know, it's hard to see, but this is the Drew Brees 2014 Finest and that sort of thing. And just, you know, when I take it out and I look at it, it's just the the design elements are great. I mean, you get the gold aspect of which people love the gold naturally, but then it's got the little. I guess it's 
really like a hexagon. You know, some people call it circles, but it's more like a hexagon. And it's mm. just every which way that you turn it, um, you know, it's got the, it does have like some circle circle elements too, but every which way that you turn it, right? It just, the, the way the light hits it gives the car just a different feel to it. Um, and so it's just, uh, the, the, the background is always what's in the back, but then the player pops out of the card really, really well. There's no blending into the card. Um, you know, and that sort of thing. So it's just, it's really neat, just the gold, the way they have the gold and the way that it shines. And then we get into, um, well, she like wrestling, you know, this is the Roman Reigns that is pretty cool. And, and uh, you know, in this case, the border has the gold super fractor around it. But then when, when you look at that, when you look at the card first, you're like, oh, okay, it's just a gold border super fractor. But then when you turn the card just a little bit, it has those same kind of discs, if you will, and it's getting that super fractor element that, you know, is refracting the the reds and the blacks and the, you know, and all the different colors around that. And so it's just a, it's a unique card design, again, that you don't really see really in any other products. We'll break out the the Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, Topps Transcendent, you know, super fractor, once again, still in the, the seal and things like that. And it's really that same design, you know, and I think I may have said a hexagon at first, but um, it, again, it just depends on which way you look at the card, kind of what shapes you see and things like that. But just any which way you turn it, um, it's got those circles that just move around. And it's just a, yeah, it's just a, it's a unique card. <laughs> I, I, I can't imagine the superfractor looking any other way because it's burned into our brains that way. I have not thought about this up until this conversation, but uh, tops decided to make the superfractor gold. And do you think, I feel like that obviously was intentional. And we taught, we've talked, we did a whole episode on the gold refractor um, with Josh. Do you feel like that alignment with something so prestigious, like a one-of-one superfractor has helped boost the prestige of maybe a gold refractor over time? Is it just the, we love gold thing, we're human beings? Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think it is. I, I would certainly think it has boosted the gold aspect of it. I do think, you know, as human beings, we love gold and things like that. I was actually talking to somebody the other day um, who was making a, a point. It was actually uh, Nick. So the Wharf, the Wharf Sports Cards, and he had a post and it said, hey, show all your, your tops chrome black refractors, right? And, you know, a lot of people were showing black refractors that were out of 100. And I and I commented to him, I sent him a message and I said, you know, it's interesting how in like later Topps Chrome years, the black refractor, especially and I was being specific to wrestling cards, is out of 10. Yeah. And in some cases, the chrome gold refractor out of 50 outsells the black refractor out of 10. But then in Panini, the black prism or black finite prism 101 is really you know, the much preferred card, but that number 10 is closer to one. And so I was like, it's, it's an interesting thing to think about how, you know, super fractors out of, you know, one of one and then gold prisms out of 10 and then gold refractors out of 50 all have that real, real significance in the hobby and people covet those cards. But then when you get into a parallel, like a black, it's like, unless it's a one of one, um, blacks maybe aren't the most desired cards in the hobby, which I thought was kind of an interesting thing to think about. It is. Uh, you've got my wheel spinning a little bit on that. Even though I, I just, I, I just bought a black refractor that was in your collection not too long ago. That's out of ten that I'm very happy about. But yeah, uh, I know this isn't a show about black refractors, mm -hmm. but I think just for what it's worth, I think the black refractor is a little bit underrated. I like the look same, of those cards. Same, same here. Uh, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, as they say. And we have seen the superfractor design pulled over into the Panini era of cards. I think about optic gold vinyl, one of one. I think about gold vinyl out of five, out of prism. Um, there's, you know, gold vinyl and contenders optic. I mean, it's, it's there. It's just not the super fractor, but if you didn't know any better, you'd say these things are super fractors. What are your thoughts on just that? The design from tops transferring over to Panini? Like, how do you think about, it? do you like those cards? Are they the same? Is there a big difference? Like, what are your thoughts? 
Yeah, it, it's, it's really interesting about that, how Panini, I don't want to say it's stolen, but they've used similar design elements in their cards that Topps had, right? So we think about the 2010 and 2011 finest mosaic refractors, right? And we've there's a whole set, Panini mosaic, um, you know, they, they've taken those cards. But I do, I will say that I do like the gold vinyls. Um, I do like the vinyls from Panini. I do have a Drew Brees. Um, it's optic gold vinyl one of one. And again, it's one of my favorite Drew Brees cards that's in my collection. There's some other gold vinyls out of five. And it's an interesting thing that people people ask about. And you see polls on this social media and all the time. Like, would you rather have a gold vinyl out of five or a gold prism out of 10? <laughs> Every right. week. Yes, yes. It seems like seems like all the time. And for me, it's the gold vinyl out of five. Like wow. Every, okay. Like every single time. I just I love the way those cards look. And I think it's just it takes me back to the super fractors, right? And they, they just had that super fractor look to it. And I know it's not a true gold, and it may be, you know, and, and maybe an opinion that's not popular where people love the true golds and things like that. But but for me, the the gold vinyls, they just when you see them in hand. They just, they hit different and they have that super fractor feel to them. Prism Sin uh, will raise my hand and say, say I, I am one. But I, I will say on my end, I it's not like I will not take a gold vinyl. I certainly will. But for my end, uh, there's like an association thing where it's like, even though there are 10 copies as opposed to five, like I lean more towards Prism Gold because... Obviously, like we want the, you know, finite or we want the black, but most of the time we can't we can't get those. And here we are talking about Prism on a Super Fractor show, which uh, we talk Super Fractors on the Prism Black Finite show. So it goes. But yeah, I don't know. I there's I think there's a little bit of a complex that I have where it's like these are tops. This is like tops design. All that being said, like I'd be happy to pick up a gold vinyl of player I collect and have before. Yep, absolutely. No, I mean, you can't go wrong with either card, right? One's out of five, one's out of 10. They're both technically gold. I think they're both awesome cards. I've seen this before and it's funny. I saw this maybe yesterday or the day before, but there's this conversation online and I think I've seen like Adam, the real 27 guy post about it. But the fact that like the Steph Curry tops Chrome Super Fractor one of one, which for my money would be, and I know I'm not a big, I'm not a huge basketball card guy, but if I'm thinking about Steph Curry's best cards, that would be the best card in my opinion. We've never seen it before. That card has never been pulled or it's maybe locked away. So it's just never gone public. And I think there's so many super fractors that this is happened before. Maybe the Steph Curry is just the greatest example but do you think the fact that we haven't seen a card like that Curry or anybody else of note is a good thing or a bad thing for collecting super fractors? So I think the answer is that it's both, right? You know, because people want want most what they can't have. And so I think that card, speaking to Steph Curry, right, it's developed a little bit of a mystique behind it because everybody's wanting to know like where it is, right? And should that thing pop up at some point, right? Everybody's just going to go nuts over it, and it's it, it, it it's just kind of the, the the aspect that people talk about a lot with the chase of a card, right? You're chasing a card, you're you're waiting for the card to pop up, card finally pops up, you're negotiating with the seller, you know, you get excited, you finally, you know, you come to you come to an agreement on the deal, the card gets shit. You know, the mailman shows up, you walk out, you bust open that box and you're like, yes, you know, it's like the best feeling in the world. But then but then right after that. Right. Do you still have that same feeling a week later, a month later or something like that? You know, and so and so I think these things not coming around or not not seeing me there. I think that it's just that hype phase that we talk about and that's it's creating excitement around those cards. And so I think. That that's a good thing um, in terms of that. The, the, the other good thing that it, that it tells you as well too is that these things are buried in collections. Like I've got a pile of super fractors over here that you know will it'll be a long time before they before they leave collections. But I also think it goes back to what we talked about a little bit previous in the conversation too is that in a sense it's kind of a bad thing because 
you know, the cards aren't transacted frequently enough to really gen- generate that excitement around it, you know? And I think that's, but, but, but again, I think that's one of those things where, you know, some people got burned in the hobby the last, like really the last couple of years is because, you know, it was all like Brady, 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 or mantle, 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 or LeBron, LeBron, you know, Michael Jordan. And so then there was all these surges in like, you know, this, that, and the other. And then here I am collecting the retirement home with Peyton Manning and Drew Brees and all that. And they're just kind of steady Eddie. And there's really not, you know, a whole lot of excitement around those. And I would see those cards on a story or at a card show or something like that. And I'm able to buy those cards at like a reasonable price and things like that. And I'm sitting here in 2023 and I'm not, you know, sweating out my collection. Like a lot of people are going like, Oh geez, you know, that Tom Brady 2021 kaboom was Kaboom Gold was, you know, $100,000 a year ago and now it's like an $8,000 card, right? You know, I'm not I'm not sweating out my collection around that. So, there's good and bad to both, right? And so I think the the answer to your question is is that it's probably a little bit of both. This is like side tangent and I just feel like I haven't got an opportunity to say it, but it's a good example because it was brought up in the crossover, but it kind of aligns with your point. And I will state this. First and foremost, I don't typically like and analyze players, performance, card values, or whatever. But I will say this. I think Justin Herbert is a really, really good young quarterback. I would love to have him on my team. He's a, if you watch him, he's fun to watch. But the thing that blew my mind is when they talked about the number of $100,000 sales of Justin Herbert cards over the course of his run. And it was, you know, it was like lightning in a bottle, I guess is maybe the, it's the opposite of now that now, but it's like, this guy came out a lot of hype performed really well in this era where the market just exploded 2021. And so people, you know, viewing him as, you know, the next Mahomes or whatever, spent all this money on cards. And now we're seeing this pullback big time. And there's all this pressure. If you're collecting a guy like Justin Herbert for him to finally get over the hump, And I say all this by saying, like, it's really fun to collect active players, but a lot of the times these cards are being sold for a lot more or being valued at a lot more than Hall of Fame players like a Peyton or a Drew Brees in the rest cards that are just sitting back. So it's just kind of a sidebar that I just wanted to share because it's something I think about a lot. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it, it, it would make me extremely nervous today to be collecting an active player. And I get why people do it, right? It's exciting to you know, flip on the TV, whether it's an NBA or NFL or Major League Baseball game and like watch the player perform and get excited about their performance and things like that. But I think the thing that we've seen is like performance doesn't always dictate card values. Mm. It's other things that dictate card values and you have to you have to factor in. And I think this has been mentioned before on the crossover, too, and, and in other places, too. A lot of these a lot of these guys already have stuff baked into their prices. Right. So we think like, oh, you know. The Mahomes market, like, you know, you look at Mahomes, he's probably the best active quarterback right now, right? And people are like, oh, his market has dropped and, you know, this, that, and the other, and, you know, just everything he's done. You know, I hate to tell everybody, but there's still more Super Bowls and more more MVPs baked into his card values today, right? So, you know, his market will likely continue to fall, potentially, no matter what he does. You know, if they win the Super Bowl this year, his cards may continue to fall, Right. Um, and so it, it, it was just like, like, I get why people collect active players. I think that's awesome. I love watching sports. I watch sports almost every single day, but it would make me a little bit nervous collecting an active player today, just because there's so many things that, you know, dictate the value of a card and it's goes way beyond how they perform on the field. I'm not going to share this now because I'm not in a position to, but we were talking about an active player that I was considering, uh, collecting, uh, before this. And I know that if I decide to do that and take that plunge, that I am, I I will have to pay. It's like you're paying for the entertainment of collecting and watching at the same time. It's baked into the pricing. So a little bit of a sidebar there, but I felt like it was important. I want to dig in. We you shared some of your super fractors, which you've got a nice stash. But I'm curious, like, do you have any fun stories of cards that you've got in your collection? Anything you want to share? Because I think maybe some of this information might be helpful to other collectors who've got specific players that are they're going after and trying to find their cards. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I'll, I'll share, I'll share a few and, you know, there's some that I've shared before. So we'll start with like the Roman Reigns Superfractor and I'll try to make this quick because we, we, you know, we've talked about this, but 
You know, what really convicted me on that card um, is, you know, there never been a, a modern WWE public sale over $10,000, but I would see, you know, other segments like you talked about, you know, a Jason Domingo super fractor was selling for almost half a million dollars and all these other like prospects and, you know, young quarterbacks and things like that were having super fractors and, and one of ones and things like that selling the hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I'm like, Man, this guy is the 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 greatest modern wrestler from the last 10 years. And this is what I consider, you know, this is his first chrome card and what I would consider to be one of his best cards. And you're telling me I can get this in the low five figures? Like sign me up for that. And so I think that's just something to to think. Well, and it's not only that, it was already graded, graded in a, you know, in a gym mint, gym mint holder. And so, you know. It's just things to think of things like that when you start looking at, you know, super fractures. It's like, what's, you know, is is the player you collect, you know, what, what significant sets, you know, really is that player in? Um, and so you go find a significant set from that player or wrestler or whatever. And then I think those are those are certain things to target. So I think that's that's one story there and just really just piece of life. I, I want to ask a question on that. So and again, full disclosure to everybody, I am a massive Roman Reigns collector. Drake has plenty of Roman Reigns cards. I don't want to, I, I want to just like tee this up in a way that's not like try to get us to pump our own stuff up. But you talk through that track and you bought this card and you spent a lot of money in that space that maybe hadn't been spent before because of the formula that you laid out in your head. Now, I know because I live and breathe in that area that if, Drake decided tomorrow to say, hey, this this Roman Reigns card is for sale. The the price that you bought it for, you will be able to command a lot more than that. And you can't say that about every card, but I think it's something about the uniqueness of a one-of-one buying at the right time and just having that sort of conviction around it. I think a lot of times in the hobby, we can't build our own conviction around certain cards because we're so distracted by what everyone else is saying or whatever everyone else is doing. I guess I say all that by like asking you, like how important is it to go out on a limb, do your own research and form those thoughts that aren't being shared on podcasts like this? Mm -hmm. Oh, it's, that's a, I mean, that's a huge deal. You can't follow the herd and listen to what other people tell you to do, because as we've learned in many cases, those people have already done that. Right. And so then you're just, you're, 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 you're getting the leftovers and doing that. So it's super important to educate yourself on players and sets and maybe find, find lanes that maybe some other people have not found yet. And I think we've seen, especially with these wrestling cards, and again, not to pump wrestling cards or super fractors or things like that. There's several people that have come into the space really in the last six months to a year, you know, and they're hounding me like daily, like, hey, you know, I want that card. What, what would it take for me to get that card from you? And, you know, we've seen other people kind of move into that space. And so, you know, it's it's and, and, it, and I think it's one of those things where if you're following what everybody's doing, the odds of you getting burned are a lot higher. Um, and I think that's that's kind of what I saw, you know, return back to the hobby full time in like late 2019. And I was listening to a lot of the talking heads saying like, you know, buy this player, buy that player, you know, this and the other. And I'm buying it and I'm like, well, this, this kind of makes me nervous because I, because I really don't care about this player and I don't I'm not a fan of their team. And, you know, I'm buying this car, but I don't really know why I'm buying it other than, you know, so and so says it's going it's going to increase in value. And like, yeah, maybe it increased in value by the time I got it. But that that was just the wrong way for me. That didn't fit what I did. And so then whenever I started looking at it, like what, like who and what do I really care about? And it was, you know, Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, and I learned about wrestling cards. And then as soon as I focused like in those three lanes and just started becoming super educated around what are Drew's best cards? What are Peyton's best cards? What are the best wrestling cards that I can find? And that's when I like targeted my approach and started going after those. And I really tuned out the outside noise of people saying like, well, like, why would you buy Peyton Manning? He's been retired for five or six years. Like, that's stupid. Like, why would you buy that card? You know, you're not getting a chance to watch him anymore, you know, and just kind of so on and so forth. And so that that to me, it's important to do your own research, to educate yourself, ask other people who collect that player. Um, and I think that you'll be happier with yourself as a collector in the long term. Love it. What else you got before we get out of here? Yeah, so um, I'm trying to make some other acquisition stories. We know since I had the Roman, I had to, uh, you know, get the council to go with it. So this is the Paul Paul Heyman 2014, you know, Chrome Super Fractor 101, also in a PSA 10. 
you know, and I wouldn't call myself like a Paul Heyman collector, but I thought that pairing was great because in 2014, they weren't connected at all, really. And, you know, then later on in time, they they became connected, you know, and it's it's one of those things where Paul Heyman doesn't have just a ton of cards. And I think that's one of, you know, his better cards. And so when the seller reached out to me about that initially, he said, Drake, I know you don't collect Paul Heyman, but, you know, would you know anybody that's interested in this card? And I said, I looked at it and I said, well, I don't really don't know any Paul Heyman collectors, but I'll check around and ask and things like that. And I, and I think I casually asked some people and things like that. But in the back of my head, I'm going like, I got to get that card. <laughs> like, you know, it's from 2014 Topps Chrome, you know, that it's a set that I love, you know, this sort of thing. And just from that connection to Roman and, and that whole sort of deal. And, you know, it's a super fractor. Like, why wouldn't I want it? And so, and uh, we agreed on a price. And so I got that. Um, let's see. We talked about this stuff. Um, I'll share one thing. This was, I think this was my first super fractor I got. This was a John Cena uh, top transcendent uh, super fractor from 2021. His autograph looks awesome on that card. Oh, it's amazing. You know, if this would, if I graded this, it would grade a 10, but I'm. He's got one of the best autographs. Oh, it's great. Oh, it's great. And, and I mean, he's, he's just a great guy and, you know, signs a lot. We want to talk about someone who's undervalued in the hobby. It's John Cena. Um, <laughs> you know, just think about what he does. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I mean well, you and I could spend a full episode talking about that. I, 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 uh, I call Roman Reigns my goat because he's my favorite wrestler ever. And I'm just so attached to him. But if like I'm on a panel with a bunch of wrestling people and people ask me like, all right, take Roman out of the equation because you're a mark for Roman Reigns. Who is the goat? I would say John Cena because of the longevity, the impact. And I know a lot of people might say, Oh, Hogan or the rock, this and that, like John Cena's career stands on its own and agree. Like his cards in the hobby right now, like it doesn't, to me, sometimes it just doesn't make any sense because of just all he's done and he'll continue to stay relevant over the years. Oh, yes, 100%. But just the really the story on that card, it came up in a Facebook group. And I like John Cena. My son likes John Cena. And so I thought, well, you know, just how many super fractor autos does John Cena have? He's got one, <laughs> right? Um, he's got some other super fractors, but they're not signed, right? And so the, the seller had it on Facebook for a price. And I was like, okay, a case of this stuff costs like 13 grand. <laughs> this guy wants like two grand for this card. <laughs> That was it? Yes. Oh, I'm like, what? like, why wouldn't I buy this card? <laughs> you know, oh, that's an incredible buy. And but yeah. like an, an, a card that was in a Facebook group, right? It wasn't an eBay. Mm-hmm. If that card went to auction now on eBay, geez, mm-hmm. like, I mean, well, that would be nuts. Well, and it's and it goes back to your question previously, right? So when I bought that card, I remember the comments on that because the seller put what he sold it for and people were going nuts. Like, why would somebody pay that for a John Cena autograph card? People were asking all these questions like, why in the world? Like, whoever paid for that was stupid. Like, why would they pay that? And there was just all this negative reaction to somebody spending that much money on a wrestling card. And I think that gave me even more conviction to what Mm. I was doing. And I think that's what led into, you know, the Vince McMahon was significantly more expensive than that, you know. But still, it was less than the cost of a case, right? There's 50 cases out there. And so I think you just have to look at things like that, especially on, on niche sets like that, you know, the higher end top stuff, whether it's transcendent, you know, I'm not really familiar with like dynasty and museum collection and things like that, but I know that those are on the higher end. Um, and there's certainly things to kind of, you know, just really kind of consider when you're looking to go after some of those cards. I, I want to, before we send it home with one final question. I just want to like emphasize a point you made there. And I think this is important and I've learned this and it's taken me, I'm still learning this. It's taken me four years, but it is those moments in time where you are buying a card and you're spending a significant amount of money, but most of the people question or don't understand. Those are the moments where you should feel really, really good about what you're doing. Um, And that's just something it might seem off. It might not seem like it's uh, the way it should be, but I feel like when there are detractors and criticism towards purchases and you feel really good about it, typically those are the cards in my collection that I cherish the most. Oh, that's so true. You know, and I think you're, you're the one that coined the term like go left when the rest of the market is going right. You know, and, I, and, and, I, and actually when you were, you know, when you were when you had your segment on recently with the with the rubies. Right. I was thinking about mm-hmm. when I got my. My Peyton Manning, uh, like 99 Shining Star Rubies. It was a BGS 9. And, and, and I also got it for like $2,000. And at the time, I was just sitting there. I was just like, man, you know, this is a really nice card. And I know Rubies are big in basketball. 
you know, nobody really talks about him in football. I don't really know why they wouldn't talk about it in football, you know, that sort of stuff. And then I just bought that card and it probably seemed like a lot of money at the time, you know, for that card. And then I think we just saw basically a raw copy that went for that. Right. And so, you know, it's just one of those things you just have to, you have to find those parallels in other segments or find different lanes there maybe that haven't been explored, you know, and don't, like if everybody's talking about something right now, like don't go buy those cards right now. It's probably not the right time. And you're going to have another opportunity. Now, <laughs> the caveat, in some cases with super fractors, that may be your one shot. So when it comes to it, you got to shoot your shot. <laughs> if you bought that raw Peyton Manning 99 shining star of Ruby with the scratch on the front, Identify yourself, please. We want to know who you are. I fell asleep. This is what you what happens when you have a, an infinite. You're I fell asleep. I was going to bid on that thing, but congratulations to the winner. Take us home with this, Drake. Where do superfractors in your mind rank in terms of the hobby's most significant cards? For me, superfractors are number one. They superfractors make they just when you get those cards in hand. They make you feel completely different. There's only one copy of them, right? There's only one Roman Reigns Superfractor, you know, from 2014 Topps Chrome, WWE. In many cases, especially when you get into wrestling cards, Vince McMahon only has one Superfractor Auto. John Cena only has one Superfractor Auto. And so I think from a collector standpoint, when you get those kind of cards into your collection, once you get them in hand, they just feel different than the rest of the cards. And I know there's a lot of other great parallels that I have in my collection. Other great collectors have them. But I think there's just something to be said when you have a card that only one other person or, or you're the only person that can have it versus saying, oh, well, nine other people have this card or 29 other people have this card or 49 other people have this card. There's just there's something special about that that really just hits you and all the feels as a collector. Drake, always fun to talk cards with you, especially focusing in on the Superfractor. We will do it again. We'll probably be talking about something else, but appreciate the time. Thank you, Brett, for having me. And uh, one other thing, going back to last Sunday, who that? I was hoping that we didn't bring we didn't bring that up, and I'm sick of leaving Lucas Oil Stadium with the L's, but congratulations on your Saints putting the season back together and destroying a bunch of fourth string cornerback Colts. That was brutal to watch, but we won't talk about it anymore. We'll talk. Do you want to be back on the show or not? That's the question. (laughs) All right, man. Take care. Thanks. Thanks. Always enjoy catching up with my man, Drake. That was a fun chat about superfractors and their importance in our hobby. Do you collect superfractors? Are you looking for a superfractor? Do you have superfractors in your collection that you want to share? Post those things and tag me at Stacking Slabs. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. We'll be back. More Stacking Slabs podcast on the other side. Peace.